0: Right so it's neck and neck garden um okay. etch a sketch Etcher oh. sketch
1: <sighs> oh, oh. Older than 50.
0: You are absolutely right. 60 years old this year. Oh, really? Oh, 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 I love that. Yeah. I hate oh, I love Okay, one an to you sketch. So it's, it's, it's at 760 yourself. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. The Boeing 747. Um
1: oh now, wait a minute. Yes. Um I think if I'm not mistaken I think that's fifty-one years old.
0: You're absolutely right, Gordon. You January twenty-second, nineteen seventy. Twenty-second was the first commercial flight ah. of the Boeing, so it is over fifty. So that's another two to you. Now what can I do? Um, Matt Damon, everybody's favourite spy, Matt Damon, The Martian, fifty I or th- under fifty. I think he's probably over fifty. I can see yourself, Gordon, as a as a, as a sort of whiskey Scottish. So Matt Damon, would that be? You're right. You're absolutely. Right. God, you're three to use. Matt mindset? Damon
1: is over fifty. Yeah, yeah born in no.
0: 1970, but October, so he's just over fifty. Um, I've got a couple more, and this is okay. it. Okay. I don't think I can serve this back. Um, if you ever, and anybody's listening to us, come to Scotland, you may travel between Glasgow and Edinburgh on what we call the Motorway Number Eight, the M8. Uh, have you ever stopped at the Hart Hill service station? Um. Only through necessity. Okay. Yeah, we've had to do that at the Christmas party. Um, Is that over 50 years old or not? The service stations. Were they officially opened after or over 50 years ago or under 50 years ago?
1: Uh, I think they were probably under 50 years old, although they look like they were over (laughs) 80 years old.
0: Lady Clydesmuir, I'm not too sure who she is, but she opens it. In 1971, that's 49 years old, Gordon, Dundas, uh, that is an ups- absolute 10-6. You beat me in the 50s. Would you have got Melania Trump? That was my last uh, one. Yeah,
1: we'd have got Melania Trump. Yes, yeah, she must be over 50. She
0: is, born in March 70. Yep, absolutely. Okay. Uh, right, right, I've
1: got a few for you. What? Arnold Schwarzenegger's movie career. Is that over 50 years old or not?
0: That was the uh, Pumping Iron. I remember that one when he was the world bodybuilding champion. I would say that was under 50 years old.
1: On February the 5th, 1970, a film called Hercules in New York opened starring a young Arnold Schwarzenegger. So he's over... Over, That's over 50. What am I talking about? Houston, we have a problem.
0: Yes, I know exactly what you're talking about. It Uh is Apollo 13, and that did happen because I like my space big fan of the uh, international speed that was 1970 so that, that was, was April the, over the 11th 50. Yes. A- April the 11th
1: yes. yes absolutely very good good movie very Gordon good. good
0: movie
1: the first ever marathon in New York
0: must be must be under 50 must be 48 years old
1: it was in September the 13th 1970 oh you're
0: killing me with these ones Gordon that's uh, right on the cusp you what? Know, you know it's over, over 50 years the marathon my goodness
1: I uh, know exactly and finally whoa here's one the Jackson 5 Ah, oh.
0: Jackson 5 must be over 50 must be over 50 first album um,
1: yeah January 1970 get in
0: there get in fantastic Gordon, i think you call you that, that, that an honourable draw i call it okay and why are we talking about 50 by the way Gordon can we just put well, that out there
1: um, it's well you're older than 50 you know <laughs> thanks yeah. are you well, not, not well, You don't look it, Gordon. Thank you very much.
0: You? Uh, you know, intellectually, I am.
1: Intellectually, you're, you're about, well
0: half you're that there. age and half again. Um, no, yes, I am over fifty, so I'm just over the um, the age of the newly unveiled whiskey, which is a real triumph. I've never done this at Glen. Going, go on, Gordon. Explain what's. Well, Amazing this week story.
1: we've had a big release, obviously, at Glengoyne. Uh, we've released up what we call our fine and rare collection. Um, so, we, we, as everybody knows, we repackaged Glengoyne and re, repositioned it. Didn't really An evolution, not a revolution. Great new, lovely, recyclable packaging yeah. um, uh, a couple of months ago. Now we've added the 25 and the 30. Um, and the pièce de la résistance is the 50-year-old, Boom. the oldest Glengoyne ever launched. If- and I think we're something like the only... There's only about 15 distilleries in the whole of Scotland that's ever launched a 50-year-old whiskey. That's a great that so knowledge. I was one to find that out,
0: Gordon. So 15 I think it's years about yeah, It's about that. Yeah. It's
1: around about that area, I think. Um, our sister distillery, Tamdu is one of them. Um, then you've got, obviously, a whole lot of others. But we're, we're, I think, one of the few distilleries that has launched a 50-year-old whisky. Um, there's really not that many. And well, for those many, of you
0: Glenn that know... And for Right, sorry, Gordon. I was talking over you there. Um, that's all right. Just for those of you know your whisky, could you explain, though no, with an average angel share of around 2%, 50 times yeah. 2 to me is 100, that should be 100% evaporation, so...
1: No, it, well, it doesn't work like that because okay. it only works of the amount that's left, so it's... You know it's two percent you would go to 98 and then it's two percent of 98 but um it depends on oh, the cask yeah. and it's not as much as two percent i think that will you know that will cool that's not linear either so it will change over years but um yeah there's no doubt what you see with a lot of older whiskies is um you, you see when you get to 50 years old you get a lot of oxidation happening you know the cask flavors start to sort of withdraw in the in the in the latter half of that maturation and um you just get an amazing fruity style whiskey. And what I mean by that, particularly at Glengoyne, is, you know, that spirit has changed over fifty years. The cask has added flavours over fifty years. The air has changed the whole makeup of the whiskey and you get this beautiful complexity, this beautiful depth of flavour that you just don't get in whiskies that are younger than that. Um and that's that's why I mean you think of fifty years old, that's nineteen seventy. That is um, you know, and there would be whiskies in here that are older than that, so you know if you actually look at fifty year old whiskies, there's very few of them kicking around, and that's why there's always such a limited amount is because you know it's generally one cask or a couple of casks, and the 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 amount you have left is probably well under half and if it was a small cask to start with, then you
0: know oh, it's real
1: all these it things really have is. a big impact on it's it, very
0: real, and as Sandy said. Um, when we're up doing the tours in the Speyside Festival, there's, a, a I think, a 53 or a 54 up there in Tamdu, and the wood's just taken over, just overpowered the the liquid Yeah, inside. there is.
1: Yeah, there, there's many examples of that. And, you know, you, you, I've tasted 40 old whiskies which are, you know, just far too woody, far too spicy. So it's not as simple as just leaving a whiskey in a cast for 50 years and hoping that you get a great whiskey at the end of it. That is a very, very sort of very simple way of looking at it uh, it's there's way more understanding of how how a whiskey would manifest itself after 50 years you may have an idea after 30 of maybe which direction it's going but uh, it's an incredible sort of um incredible um you know whiskey to release for us and yeah you know it's it's very limited and we've had a great response to it. and also interestingly for those who want to enter we're actually giving a bottle ah, oh a not away we're opening a bottle for you to sample with your friends so if you go have a look on the Glengoyne website or on the Glengoyne facebook page you can um you can sign up in a ballot to win effectively a bottle that will be open for you and your friends to enjoy and let's hope when that happens we can do that in a much more in a much <laughs> oh, more yes, uh, of sort of normal way
0: <laughs> that's right what, what an opportunity that is i would just i take it you get no samples gordon
1: uh, no, Katie. Katie, my very good friend, the brand manager, has not no. got me a sample of this yet. <laughs> but uh, I will. I'm sure I probably will get a little sample and make sure you get a little. I'll make sure you a socially distanced taste of it. Yeah. Um, a big, and, straw. Uh, a big yeah. Long straw That long yeah. straw. Um,
0: but it's a red letter Dana. you. I, I, I. Sadly, cut you off. Here as you It giving us a list of some of the distilleries that have done this. But getting to fifty, we're going to talk about new distilleries in the programme. And I wonder yeah. about the new programme. Uh, the new distilleries can only dream of reaching this milestone, because it is a oh, milestone. Oh, there's many
1: that can't, you know, have got people just don't have whiskies of that age. So if we look at proprietary bottlings, that means whiskies from the distilleries. So famously, um, Gordon MacPhail released some very old Glenlivets and things a few years ago, 70 odd years old and things the like that. But if we look at proprietary bottlings, if we look at, um, you know, whiskies that probably launched whiskies of that sort of age, we'd be looking at Highland Park... Glenfiddich, uh, Balvenie, uh, Glen Grant, um, Glen Goyne now, obviously, mm-hmm. Macallan, um, Dalmore, um, there's not, a, you know, Tomaten I think has launched one as well, the, the, there's really not a stack of distilleries, Beaumont has launched a 50 I think, um, mm-hmm. it has indeed, yeah. um, but there's a lot of distilleries that just don't, Feta Cairn as well, mm-hmm. just tam do just don't have that stock and that's the that's that's where these whiskies yes in a Probably lot not. of cases they're very expensive but they are very limited they're very exclusive and um they're very desirable
0: now gordon i spent um before lockdown as you know a good few weeks and months in various airports Mm. and uh, the one in got- Terminal 5 in Heathrow, great fun down mm. there. And when you go in, you know, previously in the airports, have these supercars that people, you know, crowd round to have a look at these supercars. When I was working in Terminal 5 Heathrow, see the Tamdu 50. <laughs> the people that knew their whiskey, you know, you could just see them like jaw drop and like, oh my, there's a 50-year-old yeah. um, beside and- Tamdu there. And that really drew people in. Something oh, it's, one of the, it,
1: it, it's unbelievable. It's one of those things that you think, 1970 that whiskey's older than me yeah. you know that has been in a cask sitting in a warehouse maturing changing developing over uh you know over a period of over 50 years you know some of these you know depending on what these casks are if they're married there could be a cask in there that's 55 you know mm. it could be an average age of actually 55 50 it depends on you know if it's a single cask or not so you know these are really exclusive limited whiskeys um and uh Glen Farkless is another one, so i mean, it's not there 's not a lot of distilleries that have that sort of stock and for us little old Glen going to to reach fifty years old, we are fantastically excited about yeah, it and really it, it will it will it will be really really popular That's and we're very excited about it and obviously in the on the sort of back of launching Rosebank 30, which is another hugely iconic sort of distillery um, and you know it really is a fantastic uh, it really is a fantastic um, few, couple of weeks for oh, us, so we're it, very it really
0: excited. Is. It really is, and you know, we're going to go from. It's not all just about us. It's not just all about us. It's also about some of the new distilleries, and you've got a wonderful interview with Alex Bruce of Adelphi coming up as well. So you've went from the sublime to the new boys on the block. Well, no, absolutely. I wouldn't really say ridiculous, but it's not. Well,
1: I'm- I mean, it's, you know, this is, this is the modern day equivalent and, you know, these guys might only be been producing whiskey for five years, but, you know, um, it's, it's great for us to have these guys producing whiskey and, and all that sort of thing um, for, you know, 45 years in the future they may, may produce the, a cast they've filled they may produce a 50 year old and that's ex- very exciting and you just think how it makes you realize the longevity of whiskey beyond us yeah. do you know what i mean yeah, yeah. it's time um, travel and that's you, this it, it is, liquid incredible. And who's, who's going to be drinking the whiskey
0: of of now that's been distilled right now in 50 years time exactly. you know when i'm receiving my drone package from amazon um who, who will be drinking the, um, obviously I'll be on these special pills that have kept me going, but we'll be drinking the whiskey it's produced now, Gordon. I love I love the future. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> uh, Gordon, I mean, any whiskey like news a... out there? Any whiskey news? Uh, before we Is move there on any the other news than a Glengoyne 50? Not much. Um... Well, well, there is. Maybe you mentioned about the Glengoyne website and about the chance to a, 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 a win a, a bottle of that to taste with your friends, but if you also go to the Glengoyne website and you go to online tastings, you might see a sort of hunk of a gentleman talking about the online tastings and the online experiences that
1: you can do. Yes, there is. We've shared it as well on social media. But look, it's it's certainly in the run up to Christmas we're seeing a a demand for it. And uh, look, if you want to have a great distillery experience on your sofa, then get involved for sure. Um, And uh, come and have a look at this. In terms of other whisky news, I think what's quite interesting is that there's a lot of in the run-up to christmas now there's a lot of um there's a lot of whiskey being uh, bottled and mm-hmm. lots of people that are you know wanting to try and find something a little bit different across the uh, across the sort of range so there's certainly um a good opportunity to buy great packs you know virtual tastings and things like that so have a look around everybody obviously we've got our own stuff as well but um th- there's certainly a load of offers out there as well
0: oh yeah loads of loads of stuff out there hey, Gordon. So um, I'm going to ask you shortly to talk about the um, uh, new distilleries and all that. I want to get into that? But some of our regular features, Gordon. We, we cannot we cannot let another week go without 80s Z's. We started this up just to try and to look at the wider wider world of Scotch f- f- alphabetically. You know, and we've now reached the letter R. Have you got any Rs for us? Well, I get the music. You, you get the ball rolling. Right. Okay. Um, how is your rummager, Gordon? Are you okay? Have you been to the doctor? <laughs> I got
1: the cream for that.
0: Um. R for rummager, it's a, a piece of equipment. When the stills were fired directly uh, yes. by maybe a coal fire or a wood that would be more coal fire, um, the flames would lick the bottom of the stills and the 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 wash, especially in the first distillation, would stick to the bottom. So you had to rummage the liquids yes. around to stop it sticking and burning. So rummaging, yeah. rummaging Gordon.
1: A rummager, absolutely. And this is one of the obviously very few stills are direct fired these days, but um, one of the this is one of the things that a lot of people talk about in terms of maybe how modern whiskey is slightly different to historical whiskey. Yeah. And they reckon that the use of direct firing stills um, could be a could be a factor in that. There's obviously a whole load of other things that have changed over thirty years and a lot of it is you know, there's, there's, mm-hmm. there's a lot of debate about it, but certainly, you know, the way stills are heated is certainly a debate in the industry. To a certain extent, like how, whether you use Oregon pine washbacks or stainless steel, I mean, it gets to a point you like, oh, no. you know, it's great, you, great whiskey. Yeah, so. yeah,
0: of course it is. And if you went further back than that, you would see, unless it's made in the hills by a grandfather hiding from the excise with a small pot still, it's not real whiskey. You know, when does it, when, when is that perfect time when whiskey well, was? whiskey you know timelines are a tricky things so exactly
1: exactly yeah rummager it's a great name though isn't it <laughs> I think it I a did a bit of rummaging chain. in my sock drawer this morning
0: <laughs> Big. it's like a big chain mail wasn't it big chains that used to go round and yeah. round ah, big yeah big metal chains so yeah did you get your socks
1: I did I did get my socks, yeah. Okay. No, I, I stupid and I'm not gonna explain but I put them in the drawer without yeah, holding like them the in holding the them on each other. Um I'm I've got one. I've got one. Rare, rare, rare. What does rare mean? Um rare means scarce potentially. It's yep, yeah. um what that, does yeah. it mean in whiskey? Rare it's an overused word I think these days, like a lot of things. Masterpiece is an overused word. Small batch is an overused word in Scotch whiskey probably, but Um, I think rare genuinely, if you look at, we've just launched our fine and rare at Glengoyne, so um, it is definitely fine and it is definitely rare. There is not a lot, we don't have lots and lots of 25 and 30 year old whisky, far less 50 year old whisky. So rare is a word that's used um, and it obviously pertains to probably demand against volume uh, or or demand against availability, but uh, rare doesn't always you know it, it, it it's a it's it's a word that we use um and it's it, it it's very relevant because you know i find yeah. that you know i find that you know people forget that that, that whiskey doesn't come out of tap and mm-hmm. so when you get to those older whiskies and you've lost so much volume and you've lost there's very few casks they genuinely are rare
0: yeah yeah it's amazing um, i would like to mention how much it is gordon because that's a it's twenty-two and a half thousand pounds. It's a rare amount of people that I know that can afford uh, that. But I've I've got a couple. <laughs> you, I know. I know. Listen, I've got I, a couple lined it will up. Go, won't it? Is that right? Oh, yeah.
1: it will go. Yeah, it will go. And you know, look, people will people will talk about the price, and people will talk about um, you know those sort of elements of it. But you know, the, the, it's not a whiskey for everybody. At, at £150, one hundred and fifty fifty. Pounds of bottle, 150 bottles only. Sorry, so, so that's it's it's the way life is. It's like we all want a Lamborghini, but I'd have a Volkswagen Golf. That's the way it goes. Yes. You
0: know. <laughs> and I could go, How is uh, your R- Renault Captor, I By can the go way, i R for Reynolds. That's right. Uh, How is your Renault Captor? Oh, it's chugging along nicely, Gordon. Good, Absolutely. I'm liking it. That. Listen, I've got a great R, and I've been wanting to deploy this for a few weeks because I've been dying to get the 80s heads going. And the R stands for William Robertson. One of the legends Aww. of the whisky industry, a real, true legend. He was, a, um, he was meant to be a, a, a sailor, but by coincidence he ended up in working in a, a blender's place in Glasgow. And he became one of the true pioneers of whisky blending. Um, he started up, along with some uh, co-founders, Boonhaven Distillery, in 1883. And his wife, Agnes Gordon, 14 children. 14 kids, Um, and his wife, I just wanted to have a little side note about the wife, she was one of the first ladies to attend Glasgow University in 1884, and sadly she passed in 1886, you know, halfway through the degree, and he was left to bring up the kids, as it were, and in 1887 he co-founded Highland Distillers, who would go on to take control of Tamdu, a year after it opened Mm. in 1898. Mm. So he's got a connection to our company there. Uh, 1891, Glenglassach Distillery. A couple of years later, along with Andrew Usher, North British Grain Distillery. He's involved in founding as well. Um, Quite an extraordinary guy. guy. And he dies in 1897. And his two sons, Nander and Jim, take over. And during the Great Depression of the mid-1920s and the rise of DCL and the Johnny Walker and Buchanan, they find themselves uh, squeezed in the middle of that uh, decade. And the siblings, because remember there was 14 of them, I think it's about seven with shares, sold, sold it all out and they went bankrupt. Mm-hmm. And that's part of the story I didn't really know. And then the, the two sons... Fought tooth and nail and got the Robertson and Baxter Company back on the roll, uh, road again. Mm. Big booming company in the f- 1950s, and then they purchased Glengoyne in 1965, put a million mm. pounds into it, and mm. made it one of the sort of flagships distilleries. That added a third still, did they not? They added a third still, yes, a second spirit still. So quite an amazing family, and Robertson and Baxter, the third generation of roberts that ethel lady that went to glasgow university her granddaughters three of them were in control in 1965 and they turned the company into a charitable trust called the robertson Mm, foundation yeah
1: absolutely and it still is today
0: which is still there to this day that's right and they turned it into uh they renamed the whole company edrington of oh. course, they had uh, Macallan, Highland Park, Cutty Sartre, Famous Grouse, and Glen Goyne. So that are very important for um, not just ourselves, and but for do. the whole industry. Yep, and absolutely. So yeah. they are for William very
1: Roberts. Very good, very good, very good. Um, one more, a one more, couple more, just to finish on. Refill, a cask that has been used by a particular distillery before. So when you hear of the phrase refill, whether that's sherry, bourbon, hogs, whatever it may be, Um, generally it is a cask that we've used at Glengoyne or Tamdu or whatever distillery has used it before, so it will deliver a different style of whisky than a first fill Um, and finally, Mm -hmm. run the run um, is the spirit collecting part of the um, distillation, so through the run you'll firstly go through the heads um, uh, of that, Mm -hmm. which is that we don't want the heads, that's bad stuff, then we correct collect the spirit run and then we have the tails so the run at glengoyne for example very slow slowly collected because we heat the stills very slowly because we focus on fruitiness so there's a few r's for everybody
0: that's great right. and gone just on that one because I, I love my flavors and you can just that's where the distilleries can tweak their flavor profile by that cut at the just at the the oh, sure intersection of the head and tail um, yeah 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 yeah.
1: no absolutely and obviously at the I beginning of that spirit run so at the higher alcohols it's different as it is to the end but your run is a is a is an average of those alcohols maybe between 74 and 62 or whatever it is for each distillery um but actually you can go through different parts of that spirit run you can see how the spirit changes then you move into the faints and you get those more off notes those more sort of you know sort of unwanted notes that you don't want so every distillery has their sort of Sort of specific yeah. spirit uh, run, as it were, and and just a bit of information about an, an old distillery I used to have. Auchentoshans, I think, is about the smallest in the dis- in the world. I think probably, uh, or certainly in Scotland. It only runs from eighty-two and a half to eighty.
0: Right, right.
1: Strangely, right. I think I might, I, I might have got that wrong. I think that's about right. Um, I love all these different. But parts yeah, tri- no, triple distilled whiskey, obviously, just yeah. down the road from Glengoyne, but a very very short spirit run of only. You know, very short spirit run. Great. Nice people um, as in well. In terms Love of, it. but they collect a lot of liquid. Very mm. interesting. Anyway.
0: Anyway, Gordon, um, we've got Alex Bruce lined up just now. Do you want to get into the new distilleries now, or do you want to he- go to the interview? It is unscripted, so you know, it's up to you. Well, I mean, I think I think Alex is a, a, a.
1: Yeah, I mean, let's let's just talk a little bit about new distilleries and and you know we were speaking to Preston Van Winkle last 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 time about you know America and there's been a huge upsurge of distilleries in america over the last 10-15 years and now that's coming through to scotland um and you know the first one that that i sort of remember when i worked in this industry was Kilhoman on isla which was started in 15 odd years ago and uh you know it was you know it was really uh a small operation, and it's developed a really strong following due to, to the Côte whiskey. Everybody should look at that as a model. Ardnamurchan is a prime example. We heard from, and we're going to hear from Alex about um, what's happening at Ardnamurchan. They've released their first whiskey. It's been very popular. Um, but there's a lot of other distilleries that have opened, and I just thought it might be an idea just to sort of run through a little bit of um, some of these new distilleries that have that, that have opened yeah. and that you know, and what they're sort of things that make them a little bit different. Um, um, so I mean, you know, if we look at let's go stay on isla Ardnaho Ardnaho was mm-hmm. opened uh I think it was opened last year twenty nineteen maybe even the year before God time flies by, but yeah. overlooks the paps of Jura, so it's up on the sort of Kaila Bunahaven side of isla um and just you know, I think it's a classic peated style isla mo, why would you not do that? Um, I think it has some worm tub condensers, and it's got a beautiful outlook. And it's the, it it's the Lange, um it's the Lang, one of the Lang brothers. Uh, uh, so we've got Douglas Lane and we have Hunter Lang. It's the Hunter Lang side of the business that have opened that distillery. Room um, for more,
0: Nyla, Gordon. I mean, is, is there room for Ardnahoe? The
1: yeah, there is. I mean, I think you know, there, there, there's That's a the limit ninth. to what you. There's yeah. a li- It's the ninth. There's there's two more planned. We've also got Port Ellen opening. Um, uh, so that'll be ten, and there's another one I think that's planned, and there was plans for another one, so that could have been twelve. But you know, there is a limit to what I think can be had in uh, on Isla. water supply, all that. Even just access through ferries makes it very expensive. So a um, few things to think about. Yeah. Um, so to go from Isla, let's go to an urban distillery, Holyrood in Edinburgh. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it opened in. 2019, um, bit of Canadian involvement in that as well as a few other people. Very tall stills, yeah, um, yeah. so it's going to create a very unique style of whisky. So I've again, been, I've not been. You not? I've not been either. No, no, no and no. certainly unfortunately can't go at the moment. Um, let's move back to an island. Lag. We heard from you and Mitchell about Lag as the peated, oh yes, the, the peated, the peated Isle, the peated Aaron, Sorry, peated Lowland. Technically, of I'm course, still not yes. 100% sure about that. No, and then there's you know we've got distilleries in the borders now. There's the Borders Distillery, which has been open for a little while, producing great whiskey um, Well, we don't really know. We've got BrewDog, for example, have opened their own distillery, Lone Wolf, which is uh, going to produce you know uh, quite a quite a diverse range. I think that fits in with their sort of uh, beer credentials. And then you have a new distill. Well, Macallan is a brand new distillery. Oh, it's yeah. it's a brand new distillery. It's an old brand, um, and it. You know very different sort of prospect to uh to what it, what it was before so there's a whole i've not one. even covered we've no,
0: we, we mentioned gordon and mcfield's cairn distillery as well a couple of weeks ago yeah
1: yeah yeah. yeah. and then yeah isle of Rasse is another one that i think yes. is very close to releasing its first whiskey and uh you know that's just just very close to sky then you have torah Bag on sky which has released its first three-year-old i think this year um so them. i mean there's 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 a lot there's, of them lindores oh, abbey exciting. oh you Lindor's, know a bit about yes, lindores abbey yes they're very nice uh, people. I, triple distilled um clydeside um as well um mm-hmm. clydeside distillery um on the clyde in the center of glasgow um producing spirit and a, a great place to visit as well so is. Th- there's a there's there's a whole stack of them and it's great to see and they're continuing. I mean even I've heard of one recently called Wolf Wolfburn I think it is or Wolf, Wolf, Craig. Craig? Wolf, Craig. Wolf Craig. Wolf Craig. Wolf Craig, Wolfburn is another one. It's yeah. the one up north. Wolf Craig is open which is another new distillery. Um uh, Wolf Craig is opening in Stirling as well in the coming years. So so there's a huge amount. Um which is ultimately great to see.
0: Yeah. A great little gallop around the um, world of new distilleries. So could you just tee up um, your interviewee, Mr Alex Bruce, gives a little background yeah. quickly for those that well, might not know. I mean, he's a big, big man in the industry.
1: He is. Alex has been in the He actually talks about his sort of route to where he is now. So I'm not going to sort of particularly uh, talk, yeah. talk too much about that. But I've known Alex for a long time. And Alex is a guy who I think he's he's quite a softly spoken guy, but he is a brilliant communicator he's a somebody phoning me by uh, the way that's Alex Bruce the phone uh, saying uh, that is Alex you know, Bruce the phone nice, me, up, me up <laughs> <laughs> me um, uh, <laughs> um, and he's um, yeah he, he's done a great job with Arden American and Adelphi he's um, you know I think he really is a he, he his passion for the passion for whiskey is great um, and he's you know he's he, he touches on a lot in this which is things that maybe you don't think about so much because yeah. I sort of ask him about the five things you need f- to make a great distillery and uh, to make to, to to start a new distillery and surprisingly to a lot of people one of the things he says is great people and you forget that that is of course really really important so let's have a listen to what he's got to say
0: great here's go. here we go
1: so we're now joined on Whiskey Unscripted by a good friend of mine, Alex Bruce of uh, Adelphi. How are you, Alex?
0: Very well, thank
2: you, Gordon, and thank you very much for having me on.
1: Well, thank you for finding the time to come and, uh, to come and uh, you know bestow your wisdom upon Whiskey Unscripted. <laughs> How not much it? wisdom. <laughs> well, I'm not sure. I'm not sure that you've been doing a bit of wizardry recently, but we'll come to that how is how's everything been for the last few months quite odd of course but you've been pretty busy
2: yeah i mean it's it has been an extraordinary year um i think we we all have different terms for it and uh, all, all i would say is just been incredibly busy um yeah. whether or not we ever considered uh managing to launch our first whiskey on you know it's just been a very busy year and we've had to adapt which has been um, really interesting
1: and I think that's probably the case for a lot of people is the way that the industry's had to adapt and what, what we learn and what we can do in the last eight months, an element of that we will continue to do even when things go back to normal, which I think is really interesting. So, yeah, yeah. We, we'll come on to you and your, your new whiskey and all that sort of thing, which is very exciting and uh, just very, very happy to see it come out. Um Thanks. A little bit just about you, Alex. You've been in whiskey for a while. Um <laughs> Is is a good way of putting it. Yep. Can you just give everybody a bit of a background to you the you know your history in this in this wonderful industry that we work in?
2: Sure. Um, well, I, got, I kind of got the bug at an early age uh, mm-hmm. before it was certainly legal to drink. <laughs> um, uh, I remember vividly with my uh, brother, one of my brothers, having this sort of uh, virtual. Uh, it's kind of like a shop I suppose uh, in a, in one of the farm buildings at home um, we used to invite people to basically come in with pretend money and buy uh, empty cartons of whiskies um, and the reason we have these amazing empty cartons and this is in the kind of you know 70s and 80s yeah um, so all those wonderful brands from back then which uh, are mainly still alive today uh-huh. but the reason we had these boxes was that my father had a share in a a very uh, delicious uh, delicatessen in Edinburgh called called, um, Young and Saunders. Uh, Sadly, no longer exists, but it was in the West End, Mm. pretty much in the building where Odbin's now, I think. I'm not sure if they still have it. Um, Anyway, when when that was, um, uh, when that sadly came to an end, he ended up with a lot of stock of random things like tinned hamon from Spain uh, and uh, and a lot of empty whiskey boxes. So uh, yeah, we pounced on them and we had this this shop. And it just, at that point in my life, it, it, the, the visual impact of what these brands created was, was fascinating. So I had that as a kind of background. And then when I uh, was coming to the end of university, we had to go off and do a placement in a, in a foreign country and I managed to Blagged my way into a job with Remy Martin, Cognac, oh. uh, in their marketing department on the Champs Elysees in Paris. Oh, uh, tough gig. Th- th- there were worse places, um, yeah. although I do remember that there was no air conditioning in this lovely old building, and it was an absolutely blisteringly hot summer. Uh-huh. Um, but that, that really got me into the kind of marketing of, I suppose, what you describe as luxury products mm. or luxury brands. And I came back to Scotland really wanting to get stuck into the whisky industry. Um, sadly, we were still coming out of the last sort of downturn, if you like, and uh, various mentors told me just to get into drinks anyhow I could. Um, and I managed to land a job with, uh, with Justerini and Brooks, wine merchants, uh-huh. and became a, a, basically a salesman for them up and down the west coast of Scotland. Uh, dealing with hotels and restaurants um, and they of course had a fantastic portfolio of whiskey which included uh, the the new newly formed Yadjo in uh, what, about 98 I think yeah um, so yeah I got hooked uh, there and the Adelphi job so my first dedicated whiskey job came completely by chance when I tried to sell um, no sorry when I tried to buy Adelphi whiskeys for our shop and was basically told that, that Adelphi had changed hands and would I be interested in, in taking on the role. Um, so overnight, <laughs> yeah, in 2004, I switched from wine to whiskey.
1: Fantastic. And you don't look back from it now, do you? C- certainly do <laughs> oh, Fantastic. And and Adelphi has, I mean, un, you know, in the last 15 years, obviously, you know, known for its sort of independent bottlings and, and you know, um, also, that very innovative way of that you mixed whiskies together, which you could enlighten us about. I remember some great stories about that. Something about Carlisle, um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, um, and um, obviously Adelphi developed a, or has got a great name as an independent bottler. But there was then, of course, uh, you know, building a distillery, which you've done, and and that's that's a really interesting story.
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, it's the same with many things in life. Um, if you do a decent job or a half decent job, you create a bit of demand, mm. and then of course you have to have the supply to follow up on that demand. And it wasn't just us, you know, coming through the early to mid two thousands. Demand for single malt as a category, is, as you yeah. know, was was flying, and yeah. um, I was simply getting on a plane in the traditional way of a, a Scotch whisky ambassador and finding that all our whiskey that we could bottle was flying off the shelves mm. and uh, we couldn't back it up with with enough you know so we I remember vividly remember a, a, a meeting with the board Adelphi board up in our America in 2007 mm. and it was kind of you know what's next what can we do and we came out in the meeting saying pretty much the only thing to do here is build a distillery so we can actually uh, look after both the quantity and the quality yep. going forward. Um, so that was that was the sort of early idea uh, hatched, and it took us a few years to actually work out exactly where and also what sort of style and uh, size of distillery we we wanted to build, and I suppose could afford to build as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No. Absolutely. And obviously. For those who maybe do not know Ardnamurchan is the westerly most westerly point on the British mainland is that not correct <laughs> it is
2: and uh, you certainly know that when you get there
1: <laughs> yeah yeah no absolutely it's it's just sort of round the corner from Mull if anybody can visualize where we are um and on the mainland um and what's the connection with Adelphi and Ardnamurchan? uh
2: quite simply it's the same ownership so when Jamie Walker, who, who had owned Adelphi as an yep. independent bottler, so he started Adelphi uh, in December 1992, mm-hmm. and it was he took the name from his great-grandfather's distillery, which once existed in the Goebbels in Glasgow. Yes, yes. Um, so he resurrected the name as an independent bottler. Yep. He, he brought uh, the great nose and, and wit and pen of Charlie McLean yes. into the game. Yep. And created this uh, brand of basically bottling the most exceptional single casks that, that they really enjoyed themselves. Yeah. Very simple, but um, a great way to do it. But I, and sorry, carry on. Yeah. Well, no, just I mean, he, he continued doing that until two thousand and three, and then for various family reasons, he he had to um, find a new owner or owners for the business, yeah. and he was delighted to find two very keen Scots, Scots, um, both of whom came from the Ard American area. Ah, right, that's uh, right. And okay. so that's the connection. And they took it on lock, stock and barrel, quite literally, although there were only, I think, two barrels in the stock at the time. <laughs> uh, and, uh, uh, and all they needed was someone to run it for them. And that's kind of where I came in uh, by accident. So,
1: so obviously taking that sort of independent bottling, you know sort of background like a lot of independent bottlers have done if you look at um you know the the, the lanes on isla with um Naho, you know being more in i guess more in the destiny of your own um future in terms of um having a distillery has been a trend for independent bottlers over the last 10 years
2: yeah absolutely but i mean i think the, the key thing here is that um going back to what i said about the demand for single malt yeah uh, uh most of the new distilleries that have been built in the last, oh, what are we now, fifteen years? and we go back to Kilhoman, yeah. um, have been designed and built for single malt, basically, uh, rather than the more traditional uh, uh, making of stocks for blending. Um, and so, oh, yeah. you know, with with that in mind, the distillery doesn't have to be quite as large as it previously might have been. Um and you can also concentrate a hundred percent on the style that you want as your single malt, quite simply.
1: Yeah. No, of course, of course, of course. And so when did the first sort of um when did the first sort of when did American first start to be sort of when did the when did you start break ground as it were?
2: Uh so we break ground in ooh, uh two thousand and thirteen. Yep. Uh, I think the first diggers came in, I think the sign went up. Early that year, saying that we were going to build a distillery, and actually, uh, ironically, the the local bus driver who took the kids to school every day, uh, Gordon McKenzie, drove past the field, and it was just this boggy field with a Highland cow in it, um, and saw this sign go up and went, "Oh, that sounds interesting," and that same guy, Gordon Mackenzie, is now our distillery manager. Huh? <laughs> so, um, anyway, uh, yeah, we broke ground. Um, And in the spring of that year, we finished leveling the site, because it was basically peat bog at the front and solid rock at the back, and a lot of water in between. Uh, But we finished leveling the site and were delighted that his serene highness, Prince Albert, was on a tour of Scotland, which is his favorite place to come. And just so happened to be passing and very kindly planted a tree to commemorate the occasion. Coincidence <laughs> so, is good in these situations. It, it is good, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I broke, broke then, and um, we uh, finished building, well, we, we opened the distillery in terms of spirit in 2014, in right. July
1: 2014. And so when, when you, obviously when you produce a distillery, you're sort of in the destiny and completely of what you want, what style you want to produce from peated, non-peated, the still shapes etc all those defining factors what was your overall what did you want to produce what was the style that you would have what was what was the style that you were aiming to produce
2: so yeah it's a really interesting question i think there was lots of well there are lots of different sort of uh, parts to that i mean firstly from an adelphi's point of view um we only have a bottle something that we like to drink ourselves so the mm. taste it's, it's basically taste lead if you like flavor is the most important part. And if I was to throw uh, some of my favorite distilleries in a bucket and blend them together uh, from, from the, a similar region, if you like, so coastal mm. Highland, um, it would include, you know, things like Talisker, Leash, um, you know, that, that, that kind of style Highland Park. Mm-hmm. It's a very traditionally Highland, but also with a nice bit of coastal influence. Mm-hmm. Um, so bearing that in mind as a flavor, um, uh, we, we then pretty much wanted the location to to help us uh, get to that. Um, so we built the distillery to allow us to produce a really good spirit. That was yeah. the first thing. And we had the uh, amazing assistance of the, the late great Dr. Jim Swan mm. um, in terms of designing that. Mm-hmm. Um, but we were adamant that all the warehousing would be on site, and that that warehousing would be as traditional as possible uh-huh. to allow the elements to um, to help you know the maturation. Yeah. So we currently have uh, four uh, Dunwich warehouses there. Mm-hmm. We're about we're about to build another two. Uh, one of the existing ones is a two level, and um, yeah, it's just this massive kind of swirling uh, maturation pot of of sea salt and yeah and humidity plenty of humidity up there yeah 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 um, fantastic yeah uh, uh, yeah so it's a combination of trying to make the best spirit we possibly could but also allowing the the regional atmosphere uh, to 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 help yeah, yeah, yeah. and that uh, in addition to using our water which comes off you know the hill the same color as coca-cola um, <laughs> and uh, you know we also use that to reduce the, the, the alcohol down to 63.5 when mm-hmm. we fill the casks. So there is a huge influence from that as well.
1: Wow, exciting. So, and, and excitingly, in the last two months, month really, you, you've released your first batch from, from the distillery, which uh, was, I think, 16,000 bottles, was it not?
2: Yes, no, it's been extraordinary because, you know, with uh, lockdown, as we mentioned at the beginning of the chat, mm-hmm. Um, I mean, literally myself and my sales director, Cole, had just come back. We rushed home from Australia. We were on a sales trip. Uh, chairman rang us and told us to get home on the last flight out. So that was in the middle of March. Um, we got home, we worked out what we needed to do for Adelphi in, in, in lockdown. But yeah. we also, within a couple of months, had worked out that we still needed to and wanted to release the market, which was planned for yes. September, October. Um, so as soon as the initial lockdown finished, we were, we were locked in the warehouses uh, sampling for two weeks up there. Tough, tough gig, everyone. <laughs> tough gig. And um, what was amazing was, you know, the consistency that we found. We yeah. knew that we had mature stock by waiting six and a half years or well, certainly six years at that point. Um, we knew we had the flavor, but we also we found plenty of consistency going back, you know, beyond what we'd required for the yeah. first match. So that was massive justification for waiting that long um so yeah we we picked we selected around i think 60 casks give or take uh we made three different options in terms of Mm vattings in miniature form uh we took them to all and sundry including our own team and some very well-known noses and fortunately everyone agreed that option one was the best uh and was also the truest to to what we had designed in terms of scheduling the spirit. So 50-50 peated and unpeated and around about 65%, 35% uh, ex bourbon, ex sherry. So that that went into the mix. Uh, We reduced to the strength um, that we felt, held it together with the best texture, um, which was 46.8. And uh, Mm -hmm. we uh, had amazing feedback, which was, more than we could have expected so much so that we've just literally come back and walked in the door this morning from another two days of putting batch two to two together i saw that
1: on facebook i was like (laughs) that's a love to be involved but yeah great yeah absolutely brilliant (laughs) Uh, and and again the
2: same the same um the same mix so Mm, yeah we're we're trying to try and keep it keep consistency
1: and and obviously what i loved about it was the fact that it was a It was a whiskey that, from my perspective, it was a whiskey that – I finally got a bottle, by the way. Um, Good. (laughs) I love it. I have to say it's fantastic. Really, really Oh, Even even more delighted to (laughs) hear you. No, I love it. It's my style of whiskey too, if I'm honest. I really like that style. I mean, I like all whiskeys. But, uh, you know, and I think you did it the really right way as well, which was to produce a whiskey that was – all about the, the taste the style um uh, which is you know we've spoken about in this interview and how important that is and and and, and 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 you know for from a price point from a lot of people that was clearly set for people to drink it and enjoy it which was great
2: well, no, it, it, it was so important for us and you know if anything well i mean you can see from the packaging from the yeah the labels etc there's no mention of first or inaugural or whatever this is just Mm. A whisky that Adam Merkin has produced, and happens to be the first time we've done it. But you know, it's going to be hopefully the same uh, going forward, or, or, or certainly consistency yeah. is key. Um, no. And as it, as we have older stock coming on in the years to come, yeah. then the core range will mature accordingly. But the style will will remain the same.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely, that's fantastic. Very excited for you on that, and looking forward <laughs> to batch two. So the other thing that I know you do a lot of, we, we do as well at Glengoyne, and we just, as you may be aware, repackage Glengoyne and, uh, with a very much with a sustainable head-on in yeah. terms of using locally sourced materials for our packaging, using no plastics, everything is recyclable. Um, and I know Glengoyne is a very sustainable distillery. I know Ardn American yeah. is also at the forefront of that and and that was obviously clearly a decision you made back at the beginning that you wanted that to be a, a factor in in the distillery going forward.
2: Yeah, look, we, we looked at the area. Uh, it's basically an hour by single track road. Yeah. Um, I mean, just to show you how fragile the um, access is at this point in time, the main Corran ferry, which is one of the two ways of getting onto the peninsula, is currently off for maintenance. So we cannot get large lorries on. We can just about get barley in uh, under the bridge uh, from the north, but we can't get casks in. So we have to plan ahead you know, every year to ensure that that we don't need casks at this point. Um, but just to compound that, the, the final stretch of road between Saarlem and the distillery uh, has been closed for 21 days, uh, albeit with access at night, because a tree has fallen and uprooted, not only the the cliff face but half the road. So there is literally no way in during the daytime, unless you know unless you get in before eight and after five. So that that is what we're dealing with uh, on an ongoing basis. And for that reason, um, we really wanted to try and get all well as many of our raw materials as local as possible. And yeah. crucially, the the heat and power. So we're very fortunate that. Uh, part of our kind of symbiotic relationship with the local estate yeah. and farm uh, they provide us with locally harvest harvested wood chip from mm-hmm. uh, renewable forestry so all our fuel comes in on a tractor and trailer and two, two miles away yeah. and the electricity is provided from hydro from the same river uh that we take the water from mm-hmm. so everything was is within two miles basically yeah. uh, and then the byproducts, the lovely draught and pot ale, and all those lovely nutritious things that distilleries make, yeah. uh, goes back to the same farm, and it, it fertilizes and feeds the animals. Um, okay. Yeah. So that yeah, it, it is a it's a lovely symbiotic, sustainable approach. Mm. Uh, not just because we want to be, you know, 100% eco-friendly, but also because it's the geography. It's right for the area.
1: Yeah. 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 No. Absolutely. And I think. You know, it's interesting just from a Glengoyne perspective, you know, it's something which, we, you know, we have been really, really aware of from, from Glengoyne and, and, you know, ever since the Russells took over really and, and in the last yeah. sort of, you know, every distillery should be the same. And it was it was interesting to see there was quite a lot of packaging, re- you know, f- way more than just the packaging, the whole experience, the whole sort of setup is important. But, you know, I, I, I genuinely think that, you know, every brand should be looking at using recyclable materials these days and... and uh, for, 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 from a packaging perspective it just seems a very obvious thing to me but uh oh no absolutely yeah. i mean we
2: we would have if we if we think if we had thought we could have got away with it we wouldn't even have a gift carton yeah uh, no. um, for the single malt and i hope that in in months and years to come that the industry will start to work away from that yeah um I, I but look, it would be great the, right to get to
1: a point that single malts don't need cartons it would
2: be yeah it would be, it would be the great carton point. that we actually did produce is i think probably the first to be made from basically LuRoll, <laughs> it's 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 yeah. what they call a hundred percent, I think, consumer waste or something it's called, and um, it uh, it's gained quite a lot of interest, shall we say, yeah, yeah. for the slightly distinct um, uh, odor right. <laughs> that comes off. Yeah, up, it's, no, it's not its not what you're thinking of. It's just a
1: no, no, no. Yeah. I, I, I do know what you mean. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I, I, I do know what you mean for sure. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. And I think, you know, that's sort of, you know, for anybody. So I'll ask you this, and, and this is my sort of, you know, if for those people out there who may have many millions sitting around and, oh, I'm going to start <laughs> a distillery. I want to want decided I'm going to build a distillery. And, you know, the funny thing is in Scotland at the moment we hear of, new ones every few weeks um particularly one i've heard in the last couple of weeks in sterling wolf craig yeah um and before you know it there'll be somebody else somewhere that's got a distillery that they want to to do with um various people what's your top five tips for starting a distillery <laughs> um <laughs> now we're obviously doing the same everybody with sort of rosebank at the moment so um yeah for, for yeah. us it's uh you know i'm um, uh, i'm sure uh you know it's it's the same you know for everybody there's certain things you've got to take into account but what would be you know if you if you wanted to to start a distillery what the five things that you think are the most important aspects of starting a distillery
2: wow i suppose well i suppose the easiest thing is just to if you if you're in scotland and you've got millions to spend on the distillery just give it to someone else who's got one already um but <laughs> <laughs> that's the easy way to do it yeah that's true yeah. So look i mean it's it's very interesting you brought up rosebank because you know i'm a huge uh, believer as we all are of of these wonderful brands um, uh, and the life you know that they can have and the fact that you have become guardians of this incredibly important brand and distillery to be again yeah. uh, just like Diageo you know with Brawer and Port Ellen resurrection mm. um, this is the fundamental point you know you do not build a distillery uh, for scotch whiskey certainly you, you do not build a distillery just to um, get it going and then walk away from it. It's, no. it's a long term goal. It's like planting a, an oak tree or something. You know, Absolutely. you never expect to see it yourself, maturity. Um, uh, so yeah, the first thing is uh, be in it for the long game. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a long game industry. It's uh, like, the most important thing. Yeah. Uh, in terms of cash, it would <laughs> being a bit vulgar. Um, <laughs> uh whatever it's going to cost you to build it uh assume that there's another two-thirds so if you've got one-third capital to build it assume there's at least another two-thirds to mature enough stock before it's ready to sell and even then I mean, you're, to, yeah, so yeah, even so, then it's going to take some time to pay down debt as well probably so yeah uh, so yeah, yeah if it's
1: going to it's going to cost you three million you need ten million there you go. At least, yeah. At least. <laughs> <laughs> okay, because building, uh, you know, you've got to then buy the grain, you've got to buy the people, you've got to buy the casks, and you've got to yeah. wait for
2: the return. Yeah. So, well, I mean, yeah. just, just think about it, you know, you know, as well as I do, but one one full lorry load of malted barley, yeah. depending on what it is, whether it's a special variety or like yeah. standard or whatever, you're going to be looking at the region of, what, £15,000? And, you know, um, um we're a relatively small distillery mm. uh, we basically get through when we get through about a, a load of weeks and all like that mm. um, so that that's just one very small aspect of running actually running the distillery yeah. and then you've got all your casks and everything else and the other one you mentioned is team and it's not the cost so much I would be concerned about there because it's it's just a commercial yeah, item on the list but it's the team itself and if, if I was to look back uh, to two thousand and thirteen, when we were pretty much getting there in terms of building it, the one thing that we probably didn't give enough time to, um, and it's taken us, you know, a good six years to get right, is the building of that team. Mm. Um, if you're starting from scratch, uh, especially in a remote location, team yeah. is the most important thing um, by far, and uh, it's been the it's been the most rewarding, um, uh, you know, the position we're in now, having a hundred percent local team who are absolutely passionate about what they do, yeah. and are doing a really, really good job. Uh, that is the most rewarding thing I think of anything of the distillery. That and obviously producing the first single malt. Okay, um, yeah. So, so that would be number three. Is yeah. Team is hugely important. Oh, five. me think four and five. Um, <laughs> well, look for. If, if you're coming at it from where we're coming at it from, uh, which is flavor, yeah. uh, four is do not skimp. So, you know, do not skimp on yeast, on, on malted barley, on wood, on warehousing, all the aspects of uh, making flavor or giving yeah. the flavor every chance of succeeding. Yeah, um, That's probably, that should be back up at number one, but, you know, it's certainly yeah, in yeah, the top yeah. five. Yeah. Uh, and then the fifth, I don't think. <laughs> um, um, the four will do. <laughs> four is four, probably enough, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's one, of the, one, one, one thing somebody said to me, which is a very, very valid point, and um, it is a problem, for example, on the island of Isla is actually water supplies. And actually yes. finding a location that you know that you have control over the water supply or you own the water supply or you work with the because as you know that is a major thing in scotland these days in terms of landowners and that sort of yeah. relationship and i don't know if that i mean you've obviously slightly unique position from arden American's perspective but that uh, is a major point
2: it's a commercial relationship we have but it is yeah. it's a symbiotic one so it is it, it's, yeah. it's decent but i would say that um even on the west coast uh Uh, quantity of water is incredibly important and how you use it. Mm. We, for the last, well, every year of operation since 2014, uh, well, really 2015, I suppose, uh, we have uh, basically had no rain between the months of end of April and beginning of June. Mm. It's a a meteorological, cyclical, it just happens on the West Coast, and we've had to invest quite a lot of money in <clears throat> and a kind of recycling uh, recovery system for our cooling water. Yeah. So it doesn't just go straight through the, the condensers and out into the pond now. It's actually collected and recycled as much as possible. Yeah, um, I mean, so we can actually run without any any additional cooling water during the dry months. No, it can
1: get very dry out there. And I remember, I think yeah. it was about, was it four or five years ago? I think it was in April time. I remember hearing that, I think it was, and you guys probably were, uh, suffering from it at that point as well but i think tobermory ran out of water Tobamori yeah. whiskey in they actually in april and you're like in april and they hadn't rained in the west coast for like two months of the whole yeah of, you know it, Feb- february and march or something
2: it happens every year ha- yeah. absolutely without fail we kind of joke about it and someone just turns the tap off and then we we get worried we get more worried and then someone turns the tap back on again it's yeah. always exactly the same time yeah but I mean, it's it's not just it's not just us. You said, you know, you mentioned Tobermory on the Isle of Mull. Yeah. The Isle of Mull was actually, I think, certainly, if it wasn't last year, the year before, they banned visitors to the, isle, to the island uh, during that time because there wasn't enough domestic water uh, beyond what they required themselves.
1: There you go. Uh, so so it, it, it is quite yeah. severe. And I've got some friends who are living out in Tyree at the moment, and they say you're you're amazed actually how dry it is out there. Um, You know, you actually get more rain sort of in the inland west coast, if you know what I mean, i.e. pretty much where I'm sitting at the moment, it's raining (laughs) in Glasgow, Um, (laughs) more than the (laughs) Western Isles. And Islay gets very dry as well. So,
2: um,
1: yeah, it is a problem for sure, but um, we'll see how things change. But, yeah, Luke, thanks for the top five. Alex, one more question before, or top four, (laughs) <laughs> right. um, one more question just before we wrap it up. I'm I'm keen to, you know, I ask everybody this. Um, if you could say what was your whiskey moment, and maybe that's that drinking whiskey experience that you had with certain people or something that you look back on the industry or your time in the industry and you go, that was a great occasion, that was a great event, that was a great time, it might be the opening of the whatever it may be. Is there anything that you think, that's what I really particularly at the moment we look we look we look back to because we're all sort of locked in a little bit we look back to things that we we really sort of highlight in our times and i just wonder if there's one thing yeah. you look back on and go that was a real whiskey moment for me
2: well seeing as i only give you gave you four <laughs> out of five um, am i allowed two for this
1: yeah you are yeah you are <laughs>
2: definitely allowed two yeah and i'm just i'm literally plucking these out that they probably aren't you know the absolute be all all, but they're two. That uh, have stuck in my mind quite vividly. One very positive, and one that I'm not, not saying it was negative, but it was a it was a massive wake up call. Mm-hmm. Um, so the positive one that we may start with that mm-hmm. was uh, an excellent dinner during the London Whiskey Show um, last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know, first day done, uh, sore legs as usual, kind of hanging still feet, a um, couple of bottles of wine or two. Or, or more, uh, <laughs> with with our great friends um, from Kilhoman. Ah, and yes. uh, during the course of that dinner, we came up with the idea of blending a cask of Arden American and a cask of Kilhoman. Ah, um, nice. And once we'd come up with that idea, there was another bottle of wine and someone mentioned uh, that the names of the two distilleries blended together actually came up with Kilhard. Um, <laughs> And then it just dawned on me that the surnames of uh, myself and Anthony were Bruce and Wills. So it became known as Killhard featuring Bruce Wills. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. That <laughs> so that was one, one of those light, you know, light bulb moments. Uh, so it was a, delish, a delicious whiskey as well I hope there will be more and to that, come in the future. And
1: <laughs> that's what happens when you socialise with other people in the whiskey industry and it sort of sums it up does. this industry but that's brilliant. And the other one? <laughs>
2: The other one which was, as I say, a bit of a wake up call and, and something I'll never forget uh, was having lunch just ahead of Dramfest, which is one of my favourite ah, uh, yes, shows in the world, uh, in New Zealand in 2011, uh, in the middle of an earthquake. Oh that's um, Christchurch. So we were having, were having lunch and the whole building came down um, and it was just one of those moments you never forget. Was that the um, earthquake in Christchurch? So it was the second big one uh, but right. it was the it was the devastating one yeah oh, so that was... we, we, we climbed out over the roof um, because they knew there would be a massive aftershock and sure enough there was and we were there in the middle of the, the street as oh. you know all the famous buildings like the cathedral came down mm. just just a couple of blocks away so look um, oh, it, it's all part of the, the great whiskey um yeah. Uh, voyages you know the the everything we do from from day to day uh it oh. uh especially but they're they 're an incredibly resilient city and country and uh Drumfest continues uh it 's grown into the most amazing even more amazing whiskey fair yes. and it was the last real you know, whiskey fair that we ever attended before lockdown this year um, yes yes so, <laughs> Yeah, I think Dave Broom was out, was he not? He was, yeah. And he, he had was, yeah, in he... New
1: Zealand for a while.
2: He was there for about a month and a half yeah, afterwards, Yeah, I seeing him <laughs> stuck in New
1: or Zealand. Again. Yeah, quite a lot of people I know went out to that, and they all, yeah, just ma- literally maybe managed to get back in time, but clearly Dave yeah. didn't. But yes, no, those whiskey fairs, it'd be nice to get back to them and see everybody properly. But um Yeah. Alex, Absolutely. thank you for your time today. Thank you.
2: Oh, thank you so much for having me.
1: No, not at all it's been great and um, you know for everybody out there, if you want to want to follow a great way to start a distillery, have a look at what Arden and done and your for example your friends at Kilhoman, our friends at Kilhoman um, yeah. in terms of two great distilleries who have started up in the last 10, 15 years, Kilhoman a little bit older but great examples of how to do it correctly. So um anybody with any millions out there, let us know. Um,
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, that's very kind of you to say, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to um uh, coming and visiting you at Rosebank.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, well, we, we are, uh, yeah, that's going to be a big one for us. And uh, we're still yeah. very much in the sort of initial phases of rebuilding that, but uh releasing some product and stuff and it's all, it's all good. So yeah, we're excited. And uh, as you are, and look forward to batch two of Ardna <laughs> alex thanks thank very much and uh yeah have a great um i hope lockdown finishes for us all soon we can go and have a proper dram somewhere
2: that would be good i look forward to it many thanks Gordon.
1: no problem thank you
0: oh god that was that was great really sit back yeah. and just enjoy the yeah enjoy the chat yeah. here the the whiskey yeah. business is a it's a busy one to get into it's, it's a tough it's a tough one it is isn't it? and it it's a long is. it's a long of, payoff
1: it is it is and one of the challenges is you know there's more and more brands. There's ultimately only so many variables. And I mean that in a, you know, it's three ingredients. You distill it. You make it the same way. You use casks. There's there's only so many ways, in, in my view, that you can make whiskey. And I think, um, so, so So I think one of the points is what is your USP? You really need to think about, as Alex said, what do you want to create mm-hmm. when you're at the very early part of, of the sort of, um, the the planning of a distillery and and stick to it i think is really important yes and there we go
0: um, um i've just had a phone call from head office there gordon um to mm-hmm. be rosebank for the rs no, we didn't
1: say Rosebank. Yeah, that's a that, that yeah, good point. I think good we're point.
0: fired. I think that's um.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. Rosebank. Yeah, famous <laughs> Low- King of the Lowlands Distillery, just released a thirty-year-old. Absolutely the finest whiskey anybody could drink.
0: Excellent. Um we'll do a special. We'll do a Rosebank beautiful. special in the New Year. I think that's. Yep. What let's just say that. Let's um. Let's concentrate beautiful, on the history, beautiful. the whiskey, and all now, that, all the recreation. Great. Now, what have you been drinking throughout all of this? Gordon, I've hardly I've hardly reached for a I've hardly reached for a dram. It's been so such a busy show. So I have got um, I'm just going to I've got the Smokehead Rum Riot. Sorry, Rum Rebel. Um, and I'm just having a wee drink of that just because you're talking about Isla there in and Ho, yeah. and just fancy a wee bit of Isla. So yeah. oh, nice, nice, a nice, nice. Bit of,
1: um,
0: wee bit of smoke.
1: Yeah, oh, no, yourself. very nice. I have a um, Macallan in my glass actually. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a little bit of it left. I thought I'd just polish the bottle off. Macallan Gold, oh, nice. very nice. Nothing to. This was quite a controversial range for Macallan uh, a few years ago, but Macallan Gold is very nice. Uh, and uh, yeah, no, just uh, nice. Yeah, very, yes. very drinkable. So yeah, just polishing that off, and uh, that the bang goes another episode. And
0: another episode, Gordon. And i was just about to see the Rum Rebel 46%, and we'll leave it for another time. But it it's a rum cask another R <laughs> and oh, we can yeah, have I've to talk about me. finishing I know we've touched on it before but I'd like to make that a little must speak to Gordon about finishes and finishing and that's a happy, happy, happy.
1: I'm happy oh, that yeah. oh, I have to say rum love that's it right Ooh, yeah. Gordon Absolutely. on that note
0: well done fantastic well done Thanks. on the 50s I think we're honourable draw and enjoy that whiskey another episode yeah. episode 10 of Whiskey Unscripted fantastic. Goodbye. bye bye